Welcome to OECD Podcasts, where policy meets people. Digital assistance, big data, biometric scanning, augmented virtual and mixed reality, all of these things and more are already changing how we work. I'm Clara Young, and I'm with Raphael Gilgin, who's the trend scouter on future of work at the Swiss design firm Vitra. We're at the OECD forum in its 20th year, which is why you hear all the hubbub around us. And we're going to talk about how the workplace is keeping up with technology. Hello, Raphael. Hello. One of your biggest research topics is the future office and the future workplace in general. What do people want from their workplace and how's that changing? I would say there are several levels. If you are in the knowledge capitals like uh, Shenzhen or like San Francisco, they are quite advanced. So they think one in one term in technologies, which they really use as tools. And in the other term, they have amazing spaces. It's looked like more a giant hospitality area than an office. So more like a hotel. Almost. Yeah, more than a hotel. Mm. If you look maybe especially in Europe or in the old world, the people still are lacking for a change in workspace settings. They are still embedded in old houses, behind old facades, in an old setup. And that I think is a different. It depends where you are. I think two things are equal. One is it's a renaissance of humanism. And second is they have a sense of belonging and they want to be located. So they want to belong and they want to be located in a workplace. It is an interesting situation. So you can work currently from wherever you want. That means freedom to you. But in the opposite side, you need belonging. And uh, a good design workspace and also a good boss or a good, a good corporation, they serve belonging to the employees. We named that um, uh, community campus. Well, how do, you, how do you design to reconcile those two things, to, to want to be mm. with people, but also to be free yeah. and flexible? I think the, the best answer could be served by the architecture. Think about the new atriums. The new atriums are much more like a public space. So the company get immediately could set up, could bring up all of the co-workers together in this huge public space. And it's also open to the neighborhood. So... The, the neighbors could go for coffee there or for maybe for food. And the other part to give them the maximum freedom is to give various spaces, also maybe spaces where you can disappear for mindfulness sessions or um, biophilic design areas, rooftops. So you're saying it's also important then for these offices, uh, workplaces, to be open to the neighborhood around them so that people yeah. can come in as well. What is important, especially in dense urban areas, that the companies has a social responsibility into the city, and that means open, they have to be inclusive. To open up the ground floor, to set up programs, to host events, to have a community manager, that would be really helpful to make that vivid. And you will find more and more in the major cities good examples where companies are doing that. What, what examples? Like who's doing that really well? So one, I would say I was last week in Seoul and there's a company called Amore Pacific. They're one of these leading companies in um, cosmetics. And 
so they open up the ground floor. It is an open space. In the, um, in the level one, there are bars and restaurants, but they also host a museum. You get an experience what the company is doing. They make special, I would say, like product setups. And by the way, it's also an interesting place to sit there and to look what's going on. Yeah. That is one of, one of the themes to this OECD forum and it's the 20th year is there are so many things that seem to be dividing people now. I mean, if you look at social media, all the different filter bubbles and everything that we're also looking for how to bring people together and physical space and designing physical spaces to bring people together is very important. I believe in terms of to change a society that is one of the strongest movements because by bringing people together, you bring, you, you play with the term serendipity. And so that means people will leave their comfort zone and get interaction to other people who are not part of their discipline, of their job, of their company, whatever. And that makes, that really empowers you and gives you a kind of social learning. Two things are the benefits. One is social learning. You can learn from everyone. And second is belonging to feel the community of your neighborhood, of your city, of the surrounding where you are embedded. And to be responsible. What do you mean by responsible? Yeah, where you should be responsible in terms, did you really care about the people around you? Yeah. Do yeah. you know what they do? Do you know the history? Why things happen? Well, the, the, the strange thing, and you bring this up, I've, I've heard you say this in other talks, is that as we become more digitized, yeah. people actually uh, want more physical things. Yeah, we crave things, for that, for human connection. physical sure. proximity, yeah. 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 One of the things also that we want to have more in our work life is to collaborate more. That seems to make the difference between, you know, working really much better is to be able to work with people. How do we design and use technology so that people can collaborate, put all their data together, bounce ideas off each other? So a real good big scale example is um, the Sidewalk Labs project from Google. Uh, the these the Google is building a city, a six arc city uh, on an area of footprint of six arc uh, city district. It was a derelict city of the part of Toronto. Um, they make the entire draft or the entire sketching out of co-creation. So they invite the neighborhood. Oh, really? To workshops, kids, adults, grandfathers, artists, startups, companies, and. They, you could host, you could be part of several workshops. But what's the magic moment out of every workshop, they give you immediately feedback by data. So if you have an idea, you get the, you get immediately feedback if your idea could work or not. And then you can make the next step. How do people input their data? Like, did they just put up their hand and say no. something was recorded? First, it was like sketching. It was like a physical method, like okay. a physical uh, workshop. You got pens. You can leave your marks, your quotes to topics. So, uh-huh. and then they collected groups out of I the see. groups. And by the way, on YouTube, you find a movie. It's called Three or Seven Sidewalk Labs. I think that is the name. And there is a four or five hour movie about that. But what immediately happens that people participate and start to co-create 
and learn from each other. And so you get immediately totally other results. So the cities and fields really invited to leave their mark and to build up the city for tomorrow. Oh, I see. That's very, very interesting. And by the way, they do the same now in New York. And another uh, example, there's a city in the north of Germany. It's called Bremen. There's a developer. It's called Zesch Group. And he was really smart. He thought, I can't develop any more a big part in the city district without asking the citizens of Bremen. And he set up an idea competition hosted by an architecture studio. They're called um, Julia Erdmann. And that was amazing. It was one week full packed. Every day people come into the workshop and create the new city, the new city uh, center of Bremen. Amazing. So these are like hackathons for yeah, urban yeah. design. Design sprints, hackathons. And what is now, I think, what we have to learn, it's not about the discipline that you study architecture or city development or landscape design. No, it is that all of us have a, can give a contribution. And by the way, it's our duty to do that. And don't wait longer for politicians or for the governments that they make things happen because they have other things to do. But we can give a contribution to say, hey, take care about that. Please have that in mind. Be aware. What kind of technologies specifically are making these kinds of hackathons and mass collaborative projects work better? I mean, you talked about pens and paper. Yeah, yeah. But, but what else is there? Uh, honestly, I had in the morning a call with the Future City Lab in Singapore when I drive to the airport. And they also agreed, you can't, the city of tomorrow is built on data, is built on machine learning, is built on AI. You can't do it anymore without that. But in the same, you have to be, you have to have the knowledge, like a sociologist, what is for us as human desirable. And then you have to create the best combination out of that. So what, what I believe AI and Machine learning have a massive impact to build a better city, by the way. In, in general, I would say connectivity is the key to have the city of tomorrow. So that means all players, all actors, the entire infrastructure, the suppliers of maybe like the railway companies and also me as a user, we have to be connected. What about the different enhanced realities, uh, <laughs> mixed reality, augmented reality? Oh, that is a virtual so reality. I believe. How's that being by integrated? The way, this is this is the biggest bam in front of us, where we have no idea how that will change our life. Because currently the hardware is not so good, but that will change. I believe in the next five until the next five years. And then we get a totally new experience of our surrounding. I would love to understand more about the buildings, how old they are, what is embedded. With these technologies, you can, you get the information immediately. So in, in terms of experience and convenience, this is, that would, this is amazing change. Are the designers at Vitra using any of the this technology in their design work? So we have we have several designers as Vitras. We call them autors, and they are not they're not technophobe or they're not avoiding technology for sure. But deep, 
I believe deep in their heart. Look, at Vitra, the average age of our product is maybe more than 20 years uh, old. So you have, design, you have to design something which lasts, I would say, forever. And so for that reason, it is really important to be in the mindset an artist and designer and to be aware about all these technologies, how they influence it. What we have to understand is we have to, we have to understand what is the truth behind our products in the future. So if you design a, a workspace, you have to understand how do we work in five or 10 years from now, and then you can design a workspace. I have one last question for you, and, and it's about AI, which we were talking about. AI is supposed to free up human beings so that we can concentrate on the things that human beings are good at, like being creative or being empathetic. Are you starting to see this in your research? We are just in the beginning that a critical mass of people get access to AI, and they know that that's now they are confronted with AI, not when I drive with my car, because then I have no idea, then I only get it's like a service. I would think it from another perspective. What we have to learn as human, we have to know who we are, each of us has to know who I am, what is my role in that world, what I can do, what I want to achieve. Because if we don't want to do that, one day the refrigerator or my car knows more about me than myself. That's a frightening thought. No, and that will that and that will for sure happens because if we are not aware about the difference from what AI should be and not, we would use it so without any critic and we would use a lot of our human human talents and things which are given to us which makes us so special. Can design put us on guard against that? For sure. If we would teach at school in general much more design, people would solve much more challenges in their life. Think about these business design methods. I would say you can learn today 25 of them in university schools or workshops. These are the methods. These are the, the, the golden tickets to solve the problems of tomorrow. Well, thank you very much, Raphael. Welcome. And thanks for listening to OECD Podcasts. I'm Clara Young. To listen to other OECD podcasts, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and soundcloud.com slash OECD.